You're listening to Spartan Up Podcast. We're going to interview somebody every week from all over the world and see what they did in their life to become successful, no matter how they defined it. Rolling. 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 Is it Who's introducing? I'm just waiting for you guys to start talking. Hey, uh, here we are in the uh, Spartan Barn in Amy, Vermont. (laughs) Here we are in... Pittsfield, Vermont, in the Amy Barn doing Spartan Up Podcast. Uh, we've got some great people here. I'm going to start behind the camera. You never see her, but she's fantastic. Marion, our producer. Uh, coming around from there, Colonel Tim Nye, Sephra, Joe DeSena, myself, Johnny Waite. A charming and, uh, thank. Well, actually, you know what? I'm really excited about this one because um, this guy runs a program called The Art of Charm mm-hmm. where he teaches you how to be charming, charming. Have you guys gone? No. No, no. Clearly, I haven't. That's why I'm excited. I want to hear hear from you uh, what this guy does and how I can get some of this. Yeah, so basically, just like we run these crazy camps in in Vermont, we run the races, he saw a need to take this next generation that's used to sitting in front of a screen and communicating via screen and typing um, and teach them how to be charming uh, face-to-face, how to look people in the eye, how to get ahead. Basically, it's advanced Dale Carnegie. For those of you listening that have never heard of Dale Carnegie, look him up. He wrote the original How to Win Friends and Influence People. City having breakfast with a Serbian spy, Jordan Harbinger. You're from Serbia? No, I'm not from Serbia, and I'm definitely not a Serbian spy. But what uh, you, something happened in Serbia? Yeah, uh, actually. But you, you run Art of Charm. I do, I run the Art of Charm. Primarily, that's my primary gig. Other Tell than, me about Serbia. So when I was in Serbia, I was an English teacher, but I had a fellowship from the Department of Defense. And when you're in Serbia, in order to live there for a long period of time, you have to live with Serbian people, at least you did back in 2005. So you have to go to the police station and tell them where you're living. And so I had my friends and other relationships that I built previously vouching for me and saying, yeah, he's living with me, he's living with me. And the police started to spot check and show up and say, "Where's where's this teacher? And why isn't he in your house? And oh, he's out, he's out. So one day the detectives actually showed up and said, you know, where is this guy? Where's his room? And the woman that I was supposed to be living with said, okay, he doesn't live here. And they said, if, if, he, if you don't find him, I'm gonna, we're coming back for you and you're gonna answer some questions. So she called me and said, you're not living here anymore. So at that point, and, and I thought about straightening it out by going to the police station and saying, you know, straightening the whole thing out, but Serbia... What year was it? It was 2005, 2004. So they're not the kind of cops where you walk in and go, hey, I, I heard you've been looking for me. What can I do for you? So I just avoided it, which is not really a good strategy generally. But I figured they're not going to come out. And they, um, they put you under the heavy lamps down in the basement? Kind of, yeah. What happened was I was at did a you, Did you fold under questioning? <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> Basically, yes. Uh, I'll get there, but... I was at a concert and the black jeep rolled up and started checking people and they eventually found me and my friend. Uh, and my friend had a big mouth. And so they stopped us, they found out who we were, and they said, oh, we've been looking for you. You know, we got, we were wondering where you were. So they took us down to a bar that was kind of abandoned. And there's like wires everywhere and broken glass. And I'm like, this is where I'm gonna, this is where it ends for me. Right. And my friend's getting beat up because he can't seem to shut the hell up, right? He, right? he just is panicking and saying everything wrong. And I'm trying to distract the guy and saying like, oh, we're going to this restaurant tonight, you know, when we get out of here, you want to come with us? And the guy's like, he's crossing wires, you know, because he's actually on some sort of substance I found as well. I think he was a little bit of a, an addict himself. So 
I started to, to talk about food, culture, drinks, and he started to... These are your uh, anti-interrogation techniques? Yeah, they're ad-libbed anti-interrogation techniques that I was trying to make up on the spot, essentially. Right. And he started to say, all right, well, we don't, we don't know if you're a spy. We think that you are, so let's just have a chat and straighten out. So I started to take control of the conversation, uh, or at least I thought I was. He was. I'm sure he's got training in that department, too. And we started talking about food and, and booze that they have. and Things they can relate to. Things they can relate to. and, and Women, food, and drinks. Exactly. I left out the women part. Yeah, of course. And I said, uh, well, you know, I could probably use a drink right now. He, he grunts, gets up, leaves, comes back. And I think, all right, I've got to jump this guy when he gets back. That's the only chance I have. So I'm, I'm getting ready to and you have no weapons. make a move. Nothing. Right. I see him walking. You're mid-20s? Yeah, I'm, yeah, 24. You're 24. You certainly could handle Serbian police barehanded. Barehand, no problem, right? <laughs> so so I'm, I'm seeing him walk back down the hall, and he's got like a club in his hand, and I'm like, great, this is, this is a crappy way to go. After a lame concert, you know, at 8 a.m., it's really early, stayed out all night. And he comes back, and he's got, right when I'm about to make my move, he's got a bottle of booze. And I'm like, I'm either getting hit with this, or I'm, we're drinking. So he sets it down and pours a couple of drinks, and we're sitting there drinking, and I can hear my friend and the other guy not getting along so well in the other room. Right. And we're drinking for a while, and I'm thinking, okay, this might end up being something that, that goes south sideways, cause especially for my friend, so I gotta find a, a, a break, an opportunity here. So I start saying, listen, man, I'm feeling sick. I, I can't keep drinking, I've been out all night. You know, We haven't eaten. I just need some water. And there's clearly no water anywhere in this place. The pipes are hanging out of the wall, and the sink is, it looks really dirty, so I'm hoping they don't try to make me drink anything that comes out of this building. So he goes, all right, all right. And he gets up and goes back to where he came from. And I pretty soon, after an eternity, I hear doors slamming on the car and them pulling out of the driveway. And I'm thinking, oh my god, they, they just left. And I don't know if they went to, I assume they didn't go to Rite Aid to get us water. They probably just gave up on the situation in retrospect. But I ran, grabbed my friend, and we got the hell out of there. And uh, it turns out they kept looking for us after that because they weren't planning to just let us go. Uh, so, but we ended up getting to the regular police who ended up getting us to the embassy, and that's, that's kind of it would be It would be a less believable story if something similar didn't happen to me. And, and um, where the hell was it? It wasn't Istanbul. Um, it was in Hungary. Something like that happened to me where, they, where I got... We got beat up and really thrown in jail. And, and long story. What year was that? Had to be ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, it sounds about right. I mean, yeah. a lot of the, people forget that the other side of the Iron Curtain, the, the politics may have changed, but the the way people, of, the people didn't, the, and certainly the police force is usually the last entrenched bit to, to go. So, how do you take that experience in Serbia and turn it into this business, Art of Charm? Well. What I've been doing previous to that is I was in law school, so I joined this Wall Street firm, and this guy who hired me, his name was Dave, and he was never there. And as you know, lawyers bill hours. That's how they make money. If you've ever hired a lawyer, you see these little six-minute increments. I hire them all the time, and I hate them all. Yeah, and you just cry right, on, the, right. on the inside or on the outside because right. you see the might. You know, the guy went to take a leak, was thinking about your case, $185 or whatever. Yeah. And so I was doing that and doing the financial sector stuff, and uh, I hated it, obviously. I mean, I'm not cut out for that stuff. And 
my HR department said, how's your mentorship program going with Dave? And I said, it's terrible. I haven't even seen the guy. And they made him take me out for coffee. So I figured this is how I get fired, right? Making a partner take me out for coffee sure. by complaining to HR. It's in Serbia, you might not come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So he takes me out for coffee and he says, ask me anything. And he's hit, you know, hanging out on his Blackberry, like totally disinterested. And I said, all right, screw it. You know, I don't care about this job enough. How come you're never in the office, but people say you make more money than the other partners? And he says, what, do people really say that? And I'm like, yeah, I heard it somewhere, you know, trying, now I'm trying to back out of it. And he says, well, I bring in all the deals. I bring in all the business, I have all the relationships with all the clients. And I thought, okay, this is what I need to do because <clears throat> I'm not gonna sleep under my desk like a lot of these guys. I'm certainly not this, I'm far from the smartest guy here and I'm probably one of the worst employees they've ever had, one of the worst attorneys on staff they've ever had. So if I'm gonna get to the top of the game, I need to learn how to take the relationship skills and like, kind of like the stuff you know, in Serbia and elsewhere that I've been using and really lean into it. So I started studying psychology, persuasion, influence. I was doing jury selection, consulting type of stuff, and really looking at a lot of these different uh, human aspects of law and started the podcast, The Art of Charm. To start to understand what makes people tick? Yeah, exactly, because I knew that that was my highest lever. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that's always gonna be your highest lever unless you are absolutely number one in your field, which there's only a, a handful, or a, if that, of those people, uh, and by definition only one at the top, right? right? Or you're just a workhorse, which means you've sacrificed your family, your, your whole life revolves around this profession, and even then. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think the person that has the amazing personality that attracts people, men and women, and right. people want to be around them, they actually, it looks like they work less. It does. Right? Yeah, it looks like they work less. And that was the thing with Dave is he was, he's a guy from Brooklyn, he had a tan. So I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. He, you know, he's got uh, jujitsu going on, golf, he's going on charity cruises. When I say he was never in the office, I thought he worked from home. Right. But the truth was his job, if you calculate the amount of hours it took him to bring in a million dollar deal versus what he would have earned the same amount of hours just billing, just doing documents and stuff, it was no contest. They probably made 10 times more for the firm than the other attorneys. Sure. So um, it's funny because I think about, I have young children, four young children. I think one of, I want them to learn how to lay bricks. I want them to learn how to do plumbing. I want right. them to learn all those skills. But one of the biggest skills is like the Tony Robbins skills. Right. Which is what you're talking about here. Exactly. Right? That ability to, to really um, be attractive from a personality standpoint. So how, what do you teach people? Well, we start from the bottom. So people come in from all walks of life to our live training. Of course, the listeners to the podcast could be pretty much anybody, but our live training in Los Angeles is all, we all teach, we teach guys exclusively. And the reason for that is because if you put one woman in a room with, full of guys, the guys clam up and their insecurities and their ego just takes over. Right. Uh, but if you isolate that and we can start to get them vulnerable, we can figure out what, where the screws are loose and tighten those things up. Got it. And, and so where we start is nonverbal communication generally. So we change the way you sit, stand, walk, and talk. And it's not fake. It's subtractive. So instead of adding layers to your personality, like, oh, you've got to say this cool thing, you got to be that way, we get rid of the whole, the, the whole self-talk that might be negative. We're like, what are people thinking of me? What are people looking at? Oh, do I look weird right now? Do I seem cool? Do I look tough? That stuff that's going on in your head that's really messing up your, your self-expression. You know, if you're constantly, yeah. uh, constantly micromanaging that, then the problem that you run into is that you're not actually being yourself. So people always criticize and say, oh, just be yourself. It's 
literally impossible to do that if you're worried about what she's thinking, what he's thinking, what everybody else is thinking. How do I look? How am I coming across? If you're doing that constantly, you're being everybody but yourself. You're right. being this weird, manufactured, super tense, uptight version that is not going to be very persuasive, attractive. So how do you, you? Well, why don't we take a break so I can eat a little bit? Sure. And, and then when you don't eat, you don't eat breakfast, and then we'll. Um, I want to. I want to dive in deeper there. Excellent. All right. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. How do you know which people have the potential to be successful right. in the program and how are people who just say, hey, save your money? First right. of all, before you answer that, we don't even know who he is asking the questions. Right. But, um, but that's okay. He's just a guy eating at the restaurant. Right. So the way that I screen for people who are going to be successful in the program is, and keep this in mind, I'll take anybody from the Green Beret or elite sales guy who's very social, understands people by mandate, and I'll take anybody who has a little bit of difficulty. A lot of our clients are software engineers that are like, listen, man, I was fine in high school or maybe a little shy, and now I've been in a friggin' cubicle for 20 years. And they get divorced and they're like, or they've never been married, and they're just starting from ground zero. What I won't have is somebody who has maybe sociopathic tendencies where they say things like, I need to get people to trust me so that I can make money. Um, and, right. the way, and, and they don't seem to have the ethics behind that. You know, if you're selling a product you believe in, that's one thing. If you just want to make money by selling snake oil and you need the Art of Charm sort of skill set to get there, I will screen you out. I guess the other question would be... For those, for those people just listening, the guy in the restaurant is asking another question. He doesn't have a microphone, but go ahead. That question is, how do you how do you get in other words what do you what do you consider to be success? So is there a time where you can release this person into the wild and, and, and to go uh, run with their new personality you've taught them, or is it like uh, Scientology where it just goes on forever? Sure. Yeah. Well, first I want I want to make a quick clarification. We don't teach them a new personality. We get rid of all the crap that's keeping their real personality from coming out. So, so we don't, me, we don't me, add to them at all. Give me, give me an example. Sure. So it was kind of like what I was mentioning before with the, the subtractive process where a lot of times, let's take a dating example. So a guy might walk uh, into a room and he sees women there and he's like, okay, I've got to stand up straight and get my body language right and I'm going to act really tough and I'm going to you know, talk cool stories about how I've got this gadget and that car and this house and this property because he's trying to act impressive. Instead of letting his nonverbal communication and personality do the work, he's leaning on external sources of validation. And that's actually a turnoff to emotionally intelligent people. And women are about 20 times more emotionally intelligent than men are, generally. And uh, I, I'm probably under-reporting that. I think women are sharp as tacks when they look for these types of tells for a guy who's not confident. And so we'll actually get to the underlying causes of what's, why is he saying that? Why is he doing that? Why does he feel the need to seek approval in is that? usually insecurity? It's always insecurity. It, right. It's always some base level of insecurity that comes from some impact from earlier on. And I don't mean like, you know, how do you feel about your mom? I mean things, and it could be that, but usually it's, well, I lost a girl to a guy in college and I don't know why that happened. So I'm gonna assume it's because I'm short or because I don't have money or because that guy had a cooler car than me. So you just put it on whatever your mind sees as a potential answer, even though it probably has nothing to do with that. Oh, there's a guy, there's a guy in the restaurant again <laughs> asking a question. Fascinated by the conversation. You just, you're, you're married. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for the other guys. What is the number one trait uh, or problem that presents itself when you're, when you're bringing in a new client like, that you got to fix? Is sure. it insecurity? What is sure, it? Sure, yeah. And I just want to be super clear that it's not just dating stuff. 30 to 40% of our clients are married, and even more than that are in long-term yeah, yeah, it could be it could be a guy from Google. Yeah, or Twitter, or, or someplace that, and he just wants to have a better business relationship exactly. with his with his boss. Yeah, or yeah. or a Delta Force guy yeah. that's been uh, behind the scope of a weapon for a long time, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that. In fact, I was telling you offline before the show that we had Delta guys come through, and we didn't even know about it until two years later. They disguised themselves. They, they, I mean, they didn't they didn't wear fake mustaches per se. At least I don't think they were fake. But they just said, yeah, I work on tractors and other heavy equipment. And I thought, wow, that's kind of boring. And this is a really sharp guy. And then turns it, out turns out later on, yeah. They were Delta. I, and I found out through other friends. Like, oh, hey, did you hear Tim got discharged? From what? John Deere? I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. And, oh, no, he was a, he's an elite military army guy. And I called him and I said, listen, man, what are you talking about? And then he, he dropped hints and didn't, still didn't tell me what he did. And I found out by prying from other folks Right. what it was that he did. Even then, no detail. So a lot of folks come through. So it's across the spectrum. It's here. across the spectrum, yeah. yeah. And the biggest issue to answer your question that guys come in with is, I got to zoom way out for this because it really is very specific to the guy that comes in. But the one that I see the most often is approval-seeking behavior, where people think that whatever they're doing, it's not enough. Uh, whoever they're being is not enough. And I don't mean that in like the woo-woo universe provides type way. I mean that as if you're a father and you're a husband and you have your business, you're probably still thinking, I need to do more. I need to help more people. I need to be a better dad. I need to be a better businessman. I need to work harder, do more. If you can, if you're really living in that all the time, you've got a base level of stress and anxiety and inadequacy that's going to screw with everything that you're well, doing. Well, how, do you, how do you take somebody who's not confident Right, because that's what you're describing. Yeah. How do you get them confident? It starts with nonverbal uh, feedback loops, and what I mean by that is, if you are, if you're hunched over all the time, you have bad posture, bad body language. I think it might have been you, or maybe Ben Greenfield, who talks about how that actually affects hormone levels and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So your body responds to your physiology, or your body is your physiology, and your mindset responds to that as well. So I'm sure you've seen those studies where, like, if you have terrible posture, terrible everything, right? Yeah. I know we're both like. Yeah. Yeah. Then you start, you start to feel sad, you have higher incidences of things like depression, and that goes both ways. It's not just one channel where your mindset says, I'm sad, and you slunk over. It's if you're that way all the time due to poor physiology, it affects the way that your brain You can your You mindset. can smile and force, fake it till you, till till you make actually it, right? have it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and, I agree with that. And so we start creating habit in that department, and this is one tiny, this may be maybe 1% of what, what's done at bootcamp at AOC Bootcamp, but we'll take this sort of principle and we'll form habits. So like one thing that I can give people watching is every time you walk through a doorway, first of all, if you sit up straight like this and you get your head aligned, your spine aligned, your pelvis aligned, every time you walk through a doorway, if you remember to straighten up to this position, put a smile on your face, you know, have your arms not crossed like a lot of people are living with, you have open, positive, open and positive body language. And what that does is it makes you look friendly, it makes you feel better, upright, more confident, and, and happier. And so if you do that every time you walk through a doorway, then you create a habit of, and I mean even in your own house, not just when you go out and come in. If you do this even in your own house, you start to build the habit of being that way all the time, because how often do you go through a doorway? And so once you have that going on constantly, 
your brain starts to get a positive feedback loop because people treat you differently. Right. And then you'll, you'll, you'll know to do that again. Exactly. Right. And, and so once people are starting to treat you like an open, friendly, confident person who's you friendly want, you and want, open, you seek, you seek more of that. Right. They, right. You seek more of that, but also you start to respond differently, right? If I look shut down, quiet, sad, and closed, People don't say, oh, good morning, sir. How are you? I mean, I'm, it's, vi I'm visualizing it's tough. two dogs coming up to you, right? One's a golden retriever wagging its tail, happy as can be, exactly. versus a dog that's just kind of. Right. You stay away from the right. one, right. and the other one, you're like, hey, come on right. in. Right. And you're petting them. That's a great analogy. I might have to steal that. I'll let you use a dollar, dollar use. No problem. I can afford that. <laughs> um, and uh, depending on how many you find out about. <laughs> and so what happens then is since people are treating you differently, you start to think, oh, well, I am this person. Right? And in truth, you are. You weren't born sad and lonely and tired and overworked and anxious. You, you just got that way through terrible habits. And one of the things that we have as the core of our charm is if you're not creating good habits, you're creating bad habits. And I'm sure that meshes over with what you teach people as well. Sure. Yeah, no, if you're yeah. eating like crap, if you're not training, if you're negative and down and depressed, that's becoming a default. That's yeah. becoming a habit. So. People think, oh, I need to create some good habits. You're already creating habits. They're just terrible. The wrong ones. They're yeah. the wrong ones. Yeah. And um, what you could do, if you'd like, just to add this to your program, is um, have people come work with us. We could put them out on a 100-mile run, <laughs> and that will give them confidence, right? right. They get through that. Uh, come through the door, you're feeling like, you know what, I can get through 100 miles. I can get through anything. I think the key is if they get through that, right? That's the tricky they part. They have no choice. We, we, um, you put them out in the woods. Oh, they got to get back. Or they get eaten by coyotes. Exactly. Right, okay, I see. That's that, it. Maybe that can be our, our advanced program. That can be the advanced program. I want to make sure they come back through us before they get eaten by coyotes. We're very so, progressive um, Hey, Joe, I want to find out the story. You started to tell him a story and then didn't, and you mentioned it at the start of the podcast. Yeah. I want to hear the story where you had to charm your way out of a situation. Yeah, so uh, we went to Hungary, me and a bunch of uh, friends. And a bunch of friends and I. A bunch of friends and I went, <laughs> went to Hungary. Charming. And, and one of my friends was on a later flight. We are told that you have to go to the bathhouses when you get uh, to Budapest. You do. And so, um, again, if you know my background, for over a decade I cleaned swimming pools at a young age. That was my business. So we get to the bathhouses. It's about 7.30 in the morning because we got an early flight in. And it, uh, it's not like one of those clean pools I used to yeah. clean. There, there are guys walking around that aren't the fittest. They're yeah. older men. Most and they have the equivalent of like a napkin you'd have in a restaurant yeah. with a string <laughs> tied to the back in front of them. And okay. the water is like a murky gray. Yeah. The place stinks. The tile's falling off the walls. Um, they are laying people on a massage table and blasting them with the equivalent of a fire hose. Um, and so we decide quickly, this is not for us. You know, it was like five cents to get in. It wasn't, and it, right? Again, we're Spartans. Not that we need fancy places, but it just didn't, it just didn't it, resonate. It, it didn't maybe, resonate. Maybe sanitary? It, wasn't, it was unsanitary. So anyway, we had to, uh, the only place we could find, which again is, is rare for me, a bar. We go into the bar. It's 8 a.m. And um, there's nobody in the bar, as you can imagine, but us. And a girl walks over, looks like the waitress, and we try to, to speak um, our language. She's speaking her language. We can't really communicate well. Well, we get three or four beers. I forget how many. I think there were three of us. My friend, we were waiting for him to fly in. We get three beers. We're there a half hour. We're leaving the bar. Now we're getting jet lag. We're going to go hit the hotel and get some sleep and wait for my buddy. They hand us a bill. It's $400. We yeah. get three beers. So I said, I'm not paying that. Yeah. And they said, yes, you are. And we're, we're getting to this yeah. little scuff. The gate closes on, on the bar, 
and a couple of uh, yeah. Hungarian or Russian, I don't know who, show up and they handcuff us. And they bring us to our hotel to get our passports because we had dropped off our passports. And on my way in, I hit the concierge as the police are dragging me to my room and I write a quick note uh, to my friend that's still coming. Hey, it looks like we're gonna be in prison when you get to the hotel, <laughs> find us. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, they take us off and they, and they go through the uh, police station about 300 yards into a dirt road in the backyard and throw us into um, a cell. There's three of us in this cell. And already one of my friends is starting to break <laughs> under, under, under questioning. <laughs> it was him. It was him. <laughs> and we're in this cell for 14 hours, yeah, yeah. okay? And all I could think is, I know my buddy landed. Why isn't he here? Why hasn't he gotten us out? Well, finally they get a translator. We saw through it. We finally end up paying. They release us from the prison. We get back to the hotel. We get cleaned up. We look for our buddy. We find them. He is sitting at like a five-star restaurant, Drinking. being serenaded. They're playing violins next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "You're gonna have to bleep this out." What? The f Why didn't you? He goes, "What do I know about getting people out of jail?" <laughs> <laughs> so he had actually gotten your note. He got the note. He goes, "I don't yeah. know anything about getting anybody out of jail. Oh, big, I'm yeah, hungry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't think about being the average of your five friends. Yeah, Joe. there you go. There yeah, you go. He, he'd be on the so, outside. So, so, that was the last time Joe ever went into a bar. So, so <laughs> that's the last drink I ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Great story, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it back into the charming part. Well, listen, yeah. in life, you've got to be able to sell. I had to get myself out of the, out of the prison. Yeah. I tried to I get myself out of paying the $400. Um, yeah. you, you sell your children. You, yeah. uh, your kids sell the mother to get. <laughs> you sell your children? <laughs> you, sell, you, sell you, sell your children. you sell ideas to your children. You sell ideas to your children. When you're traveling children. hungry, you may have Everybody, to sell your child to get her to jail. <laughs> Everybody you communicate with. You're selling. I don't mean that in a negative way, but right, oh, you're sure. trying to sure. sell your ideas and right. concepts. And I, I, I'm I'm going to give a, a little less dramatic story, but one that happened to me that was uh, that was exactly what you're talking about. Uh, after high school, before university, I went and I went surfed in Europe for a while, and I was um, taking my uh, boards onto the plane, and my one board was about an inch and a half too long, and they had said to me, "We can't put this board on the plane. You're going to have to pay X number, hundred dollars, whatever." And I came over to my dad. I was 18 years old, and I said, "Hey, dad, I really need some help. Can you come over and please talk them into letting my board on the plane?" And he looked at me and he said, really? You think that if you can't talk that board onto that plane, you're prepared to go and spend a year in Europe by yourself? I'm not good with that. Wow. And I had to go back over and it took me five minutes and you know, of course I charmed them into it and everything else. And the board was on the plane. But that was a really good lesson. He's like, you're gonna have to sell your way through life, son. Right. And um, yeah, one other quick story. Uh, that's, that's a great, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a tough dad though too. Yeah, yeah, it was good. That's, good. Yeah, that's that, a good that life really, lesson. Yeah. That really helped me years later. I was bringing um, four duffel bags full of shoes down to Nicaragua to donate to, uh, to children down there. Literally four huge hockey bags full of shoes that friends had rallied hockey for me. Bags and I got to the airport and I'm thinking, this is like thousands of dollars in extra luggage. How am I gonna get this on there, right? So I, I walked up and I looked for the friendliest looking person at United. Always. Not a lot of friendly people. United. No, that's not. <laughs> Sorry, United. Yeah, yeah. They're not a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. We would love to do a deal with American. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I walked up, and uh, you know what? What a normal thought process is is you go up and you just start, you know, begging and, and whatever else. Instead, I enlisted this guy. I walked up and I intentionally put the smallest shoes on the top. And I walked up, and the guy said, "How are you doing?" I said, "I'll tell you, I'm going to be doing even better in a minute because you and I are going to create a miracle." Hmm. 10 minutes later, they're all in the plane, no charge. It's the but open. That, that's the whole idea, right? Exactly. And so, hmm. so that, that art of charm, I'm not saying I'm the most charming person in the world. I can certainly learn a lot from, uh, from our friend yeah. here. But um, in terms of 
There are lots of opportunities to do that, and it is selling, and it is engaging people. Um, quickly, as what, what, what just what you said, my mom, the queen, she always says the way you start's the way you finish, right? And I think like that's really important, and and for for charming people, and for just being um, these girls rising Appalachia. Talk about charming people; they're amazing, have amazing music, and in one of their songs, they quote someone I forget, but they say it's about being a humanist, just about like being a human, and we're all equal; it's all the same team. Just be kind to those people around you. And, um, you know, this guy, he says he's a, a social engineer, an interpersonal dynamics, social influence. It's great that we're in a time when those things need to be addressed, but I invite you just to talk to the people around you and talk to your elders. Look them in the um, eyes. Look them in the, look them in the eyes. <laughs> Find show notes, video, and audio from this episode at spartanuppodcast.com backslash 053. Thank you for listening to another epic story of success. Follow us on Twitter at SpartanUpPod. The Spartan Up podcast is brought to you by Spartan Race. Make sure you're fueled up for your next Spartan race by joining our food of the day at Spartan.com.